take a breath. Take another breath. Feels good. It just feels good to take a breath. And uh, we just need to take a, we need to get some fresh air. All moms, and for that matter, dads, sons, daughters, we need to take a deep breath, quiet our souls, and hear from God in a quiet place. And so our study today is going to be centered on a place where I want us to just Focus and almost like bathe in incredible truth. So if you can, open up to Psalm 37. It's been a psalm we've talked a lot about this year, and it's, we talked about it at our uh, uh, elders meeting, and then Doug talked about it for the building meeting. But I want us to just take some more focused attention on Psalm 37. Just open up to that passage and just rest it on your lap a second. And as... As we get ready to start, I want to read an anonymous essay, and it's titled, What Happened to Me? That's the title of it. So here it goes. What happened to me? Thoughts from any given mother on any given morning, staring into any given mirror on any given day. What happened to me? Tired, red, bloodshot eyes look back from my misty reflection In the looking glass as my mind wanders, what happened to me? I am not the person I once knew. I have changed. A little bit at a time, hour by hour, day by day. I no longer remember the me I used to be. What happened to me? I know where the extra 20 pounds around the hips came from and those deep furrows of wrinkles on my forehead and dark circles under my weary eyes. They are not the mystery I am trying to solve. It's my heart. What happened to my heart? Where is the person who used to greet the day with a smile? Who would laugh as easy as a robin would sing in the spring? Who would notice the small blessings that a sunny day might bring? Where did she go? What happened to me? Spontaneity and adventure were two of my good friends. Now it seemed I am chained to a bully named Routine. I feel trapped stuck under a mountain of stinky clothes, swimming in dirty dishes and paying bills with money that no longer stretches. My mind has grown numb from gazing to a small handheld screen that holds my constant attention. I become a slave to a text or a picture or a post. I must respond. I must like it. I must not miss any up-to-the-second updates from people I barely know and some who are not even my friends. But I must keep up, stay tuned, staring, watching, I'm always watching. What happened to me? And my favorite, a day at the beach was so simple. Grab a towel, some coconut lotion, and drive. Follow the sunbaked path to the edge of the water and just to feel the sand between my toes, the heat upon my face, and a fresh breeze. Ah, now, however, I dare not leave my dark cave unless I'm prepared for every possible emergency. Consider every contingency. You never know what may befall you, from sunburn to starvation, drowning, even to death. But it's just an afternoon. Why is it so hard now? What happened to me? My children have noticed the change too. Our eyes would meet, we would hug, hold hands. Now they say, I am never happy with them. What happened to me? And my man, the one I would follow anywhere, now he follows me. If he doesn't, I rage. Where did this anger towards him come from? He didn't do anything wrong, but I blame him. I always blame him. When we were younger, I would trust his lead, following him to lands and places unknown. I didn't care. I was with him. 
That was enough. Now I take the lead. I demand it. And when I lead, he must be buckled, house locked, insurance card in his wallet, and emergency contacts in the glove compartment. We used to sing to the radio. Now I pick lint off his sleeve and complain about the dirt on his knee. What happened to me? In church, a refuge, the place to meet with God, to sing loud, to cry, has become a place to impress, to look the part, to perform for the critic. I am so tired of trying to impress. Oh, so tired. What happened to me? Did a part of me die? I am so tired. What happened? Well, the answer is obvious. It has never been a secret. I can see it in my eyes staring back. They never lie. It is something Jesus warned me about, something to avoid and run from like the plague, and yet I embrace it with both arms. I let it control me every day. Its poison has hardened me, changed me, brought a coldness down to the marrow in my bones. I know. I know it too well. What happened to me? Worry happened. Would you agree that worry has happened to all of us? We worry, we fret, and in our fretting, we, we shrink. We hide and we protect our lives, we pull back, and we become smaller. We've changed. Worry has changed us. I think it happens to all of us, and as Jesus said, worry can ruin the soul. So before we begin, I want us to take, take another breath. Take a breath. Because I have the remedy. I have the remedy for worry. I call it a mother's first aid kit. Actually, it's a first aid kit for all of us. It's something to restore your soul. It's Psalm 37. It's a healing balm, medicine for the weary heart. So come close to it. Breathe and listen. I'm going to read a few of the first verses in Psalm 37. And just listen. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will wither soon. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Do not fret. That's what he says three times in this opening salvo. Why? Then that's what we're going to talk about. What is fretting? Fretting, by definition, is something that I think is familiar to all of us. We are experts at it. 
takes many shapes and forms, a sigh of disgust, rolling of the eyes, hiding under the covers, crying in the corner, biting your nails. What is most interesting about this word in the Hebrew, it includes the ideas when you're you have a slow burning anger because you don't think things are fair. It's a slow burning anger and it gets the best of you. Worry and anxiety often leads us to treat those we love the most with impatience. We become short and irritated, never satisfied. I'll read that again. Worry and anxiety, which are both fretting, often leads us to treat those we love the most with impatience. We become short and irritated, never satisfied. Verse 1 details why we worry. gives us the two reasons why we worry. Two causes. These are always the two causes every time we worry. And we need to identify them. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. So we have two sources. One is evil. NIV calls it evil men. ESV calls it evil doers. And in verse 27, it talks about evil overtaking you. Evil is that which is external to me. It's out of my control. I can't change how evil people behave or how evil circumstances come to threaten. And so this psalm is all about how I need to think about it and respond to it. But there's another cause here. This is even darker, is envy. Do not fret because of Envy. Envy is something inside of me. This is something I have to have control over. I must gain control over envy. Envy is so dangerous. And so we need to start there because it begins with me. The outward things we'll talk about in a little bit, but really we need to do those things that we can control first. And envy is something we have to be very careful of. What is envy? It is seeing what other people have or you imagine them to have and you feel bad because you don't have what they have. It is seeing what other people have or you imagining them to have and you feel bad because you don't have what they have. It's seeing that perfect family. That family is always so perfect. That person who has a new car with the new car smell wish I had a new car. It's that neighbor who always has success, it seems like, in whatever they do. It's the friend who always goes on vacation. Do you have a friend who is always going on vacation? Envy starts cropping up, and it's the devil's playground of a dark imagination. Oh, man. It's a bad place. David says... Envy causes you to fret. I'll tell you what makes me fret. You want to know what makes me fret? The Kardashians make me fret. They make me fret. The person who wins the Powerball makes me fret. I mean, really makes me mad. And that idiot football player who beats his girlfriend and still gets a $3 million bonus makes me fret. Anger boils. You felt it probably feel it often. I want what another person has, and envy tells me what that person has, I deserve it more. 
So why don't I have it, God? I say it like that with a little breaking in the voice. Why don't I have that? Envy makes me look at what I have and causes me to despise what I have. My house is a piece of junk. It's not fair. David speaks into this numerous verses, and I want you to hear him when he speaks into envy. And you've got to listen close. If envy is clouding you, you are not thinking straight. That's the whole point. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Be still. Oh, take a breath. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Why not? Because of verse 8. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Because fretting leads only to evil. It's not good. Envy will take you into a place you don't want to go. And it will cause you to become a person you don't want to be. And that's where anger often comes from. Verse 16. Better the little, better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many of the wicked. This is really interesting. When you have enough, what you put it like this, what you have is enough if you have what is enough. Do you know what is enough? Righteousness, that's enough. It's all you need. It's all you really need. Verse 18 and 19, this is incredible. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord. That means He knows. He sees you. And their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. In other words, he's saying, God, God sees. Why are you so worried? And in verse 21, the wicked borrow and they do not repay, but the righteous give generously. I mean, they, they don't use their money for good things. They don't want to hoard. And in verse 9 is really the kicker. That's a question for you. Verse 9. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope, that means place their future in, those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So the question for you is, where is your hope? Is it on things? Because if it's on things, that's what causes you to envy. You think the more things you have, the more at peace you'll be. But if your hope's in the Lord, you won't envy. So here's the truth about envy and fretting. You can put, say it like this. Fretting about others' successes betrays, reveals, you could say, your mistrust and lack of hope in God. And if you are not careful, you will become what you hate, which is an angry, bitter person. And so ask yourself, so where you need to take a deep breath and ask yourself, is God providing your needs? Is your hope in heaven or is your hope here on earth? And are you becoming the angry person you never wanted to be? Because envy warps you. It warps you. And then let me, let me ask you this on a more practical level. Do you really have it so bad? I mean, honestly, do you really have it so bad? Well, yeah, I sure I do. I surf so, social media, Instagram and Facebook every day. And compared to others, my life stinks. 
Everyone's so happy, their meals look so appetizing, and they always are having fun. I can't watch commercials. If you, every pizza commercial, they're always having fun. They always smile. It makes me crazy. That's how they seduce you into buy their pizza. If you eat my pizza, you'll have fun too. It's such a manipulative tool, but we are so manipulatable. But before we go any further, have you ever gone online and surfed TWF? Third World Facebook? It's amazing. You know, if you're worried about your life because you surf your Facebook, surf Third World Facebook one time. I've got some pictures. Look at this. Tommy's first day back to school. It should be a great year. I just hope they find a teacher for him this year. Next one. Found a new zero-color recipe for my guacamole dip. Can't believe it. My kids love it. Next picture. Family shopping day. Great bargains at the local dump. Look at Sophie's new hat. She is so excited. And then next one. Fun times at the sewage ditch. They could play there all day. Do you really have it so bad? Seriously. Why do you envy? I may not have it so bad, but often I am treated badly. When evil comes, what do I do? And that's the next question is evil. Evil is a threat outside of me. How do I respond? David is writing this whole psalm after living a long life. Like he lived, he lived a long life. Some writers think this is maybe one of his last psalms because it talks about him being an old man and what he'd seen. And so they have said this is a compilation of just small pithy sayings he's learned over the years. Actually, it's in al alphabetical and there's some of the Hebrew alphabet missing. So it's just a compilation of things that he's hoping will encourage those who read it. After he's looked back on his life, this is what got him through. This is what gets him through when evil comes. And if you want to talk about having it bad, David had it bad. Thirteen years, he was being hunted by his father-in-law who controlled the army of Israel and he wanted David dead. And then you remember when David fought Goliath? Goliath was a nine-foot man who wanted him dead. Then when David was king, he was always at war, a lot of times against the Philistines who were ruthless people. And then... His own son wanted his throne and wanted his dad dead. And even a giant angel almost killed him at the threshing floor right after 70,000 of his own people were killed because of his sin. So you could say David has some insight on how to get through tough times. <laughs> like really tough times. So what is the advice? First thing is look at your enemy and consider what is your enemy? What is threatening you? In this, a lot of times it's people, and date when he's writing about maybe the Philistines or maybe Saul. But for us, our enemy could be an illness. Could be a meddler at work. Somebody who's always envious of you and they're slandering you behind your back. Some of us, it's your finances. Some, it's Satan. He's real. He does oppress. But instead of fretting and worrying, let's take some of David's advice. And you've got to just listen to his advice. Verse 9 and 10. 
For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. 12 and 13. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. Look at 13. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for He knows their day is coming. So the wicked, you know, they want to get us, but the Lord says, He's laughing at them. Don't worry about them. What are you worried about them for? Their day's coming. You'll be fine. Verse 20. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish. Vanish like smoke. 28 is an incredible verse. For the Lord loves the just. The just are those who are basically, in the Christian terms, a just person is somebody who believes in Christ and are shielded by the blood of Christ. They are in Christ. The Lord loves those who are in Christ. Loves them. And will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever. So you can look at it like this. If something bad's coming your way, God knows about it already. You'll be fine. He loves you. He loves you. But the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. And in 35 and 36. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil. I mean, he's... This guy is doing great. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Everything's relative. God lives a long time. Eternity's a long time. And what we see now in the moment, we think is everything. You're going to live forever. That person who's making bank in the wrong way or is just threatening you, he's, He's like, have you seen those white Michigan flowers that pop up for a week? You're not allowed to tear them out, but they'll grow in the woods. They're beautiful. Do you know the name of them? Trillium. And they last probably about a week, don't they, Rhonda? Like they come up, and they last a week. They're really pretty, but in one week they're gone. You've got to wait a whole year for one more, another one week. That's what wicked men are like. That's what people are like who don't find their hope in the Lord. That's what he's saying. So here's the truth about evil and fretting. Don't let the threat, could be a person or situation, don't let the threat bother and frustrate you. Don't let it bother you. All you have to do is consider their end. They are flowers that bloom and die. And so the question for you is, does God have your back? Does he love you? Sure he loves me. I sing it every Sunday morning, but do you believe that? Instead of fretting, I have some simple advice. You need a mother's first aid kit, and a father's, and a dad's, and a son's, and a daughter's first aid kit. So we're going to pull it out, and I'll show you how to use it. It's very simple, but here's how I want you to imagine it. Imagine your situation, whatever frustrates you to fretting, a point of fretting. Imagine it's like a long, dark hallway, and you're getting ready to step in, and you feel like you Oh man, i got to step in. You can't necessarily see the end, but how do we approach this situation? It could be a doctor's report. It could be going to work with people you don't like. 
It could be, man, I'm waiting for that bill to come in the, in the mail. You know, it's this long, dark hallway that's ahead of you. How do we handle that? Do we gnash our teeth and go, I can't. How do we do it? First thing is this, is wait. Don't rush into the hallway. Wait. Be patient. Look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret, especially when other people succeed. Just wait. Look at verse 8. Refrain. It's the same idea of waiting. Refrain from anger. Bottle it up. Keep, keep cool a second. Before you get all nervous and all worried and letting your thoughts take over, refrain from anger. Don't fret. Why? Because where it leads you, you don't want to go. It leads only to evil. And then verse 34. Verse 34 is wait for the Lord. Keep His ways. Just wait for Him. So before you enter the hallway, just wait a second. Take a deep breath. Stop your mind from entering the path of worry. Don't worry. Don't go there. If you're driving, pull the car over. Take the keys out and look up. Just look up a little bit. Look at the blue sky. Look around for a second. God is still on the throne. The way you can tell that worry and fretting has done a job on you is you lack gratitude. That's how you can tell if you're fretting. You lack gratitude. You don't realize that, you know, today's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I, and I say this often, but I say it because I, I really do believe it. What do I deserve? I don't, I, I deserve hell, okay? And, oh, that's extreme. No, that's just the truth. Take a breath and go, I'm alive, I have another chance, and God's on the throne, and he loves me. Just wait before you enter the dark hallway. Waiting is a chance for you to consider how God is taking care of you. And when you realize He is, you can't help but being grateful. You can breathe. I look at you, Jack. God's been taking care of you. He's good to you. Step two, and this is still, we're not entering into the hallway yet. We still are, we have to be proactive before we go in the hallway. And the second thing we do is verse four. Verse four is hard. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. I don't delight myself in the Lord to get the desires of my heart. He will change my desires. One commentary called this word refined or cultivated pleasure. It's a pleasure that is cultivated. You refine it. You develop this pleasure. So the writer is saying this pleasure takes some work. We have to Make a plan to arrive at this pleasure. Cultivate this pleasure. Delight in God. And it takes effort and time. So while you're waiting, you need to have some system where you begin to think about God and love Him. Adore Him. When you, when you start to worry, it crowds everything out but that worry. Before worry enters, delight in God. If you delight in God and God says you'll protect you, you can, where's worry go? It disappears. We never have to implore people to be delighted in stupid things. You either easy, you slip into them. But pleasure of God takes patience, takes discipline. But when you get to the point that the discipline's leading you to, you will never be disappointed. Never. Never. But to get there, it will take many sacrifices. 
for me, here's how I personally um, have defined delight. Saturation. I have to saturate myself in the things of God. So be around the things of God. One way I saturate is my mind, Scripture. I like to read. Reading refocuses. Reading is having somebody else bring you to a place and tells you how to get there. And it's actually taking the advice of wise person from the past. Reading's a great thing. Singing, music, church. Encourage one another as the day gets closer. Don't forsake the assembly. Saturate yourself. Jesus says it like this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, that is, cultivated pleasure, and they shall be filled. So saturation only occurs when the noise of everything else is shut off. The worry is shut off. And if you don't shut it off, it will pollute you because it will take priority. So before you enter the hallway, wait, take a breath, and think about God, delight in Him. Take your time. That's why some people have morning devotions. Meditate on a verse during the day because then it refocuses you and then you can begin to enter the hallway. So how do I enter the hallway? I trust. I put my trust in God. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. And he's saying if you do that, the end result is you'll dwell in the land, you'll enjoy safe pasture. That's the result of trust. Verse 25. I was young and now I'm old. David's writing. I was young, but now I'm old. Let me tell you. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Here's what he's saying. I'm just telling you. Trust him. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. I often tell the story of my dad lost his job. It was terrible. Couldn't find, he was 55, lost his job. Took a year before he really got another job. Every day was scary. My dad would say, it's all right. We'll be fine. But dad, it's okay. Trust is to believe in a wonderful future even if I don't see the victory now. Fretting is the exact opposite. It's believing in a terrible future even though I don't see it now. So fretting is the complete opposite of trust. So as I look into that dark hallway and I'm looking down, trust says, I'm going to be okay. I got God on my side. I'm going to be okay. You know what fretting says? Oh man, those evil people, in my, only they got ever. I'm going to fail. It's the exact same thing, but reversed. It's thrown on side its head. Fretting believes in defeat before it happens. Trust believes in victory before it happens. Fretting always says I'm a failure. Trust says I'm a victor in Christ. Fretting says God won't rescue. God says, oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Do you understand? It's the same thing. But for some reason, you, and I, I know me, you always bend towards fretting instead of trusting. You're always seeing the glass half empty. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know them? Trust. That's why you got to say, if God loves you, you'll be protected forever. So go ahead and enter. You'll be fine. But you don't, you don't know, yeah, I know my God. I don't know your situation. I know my God. You've never, you don't know what I've been through. God's always rescued me. 
And then the final one is this, and this is a very important one, probably the most important, because as you walk down that hallway, you'll want to run back. You'll want to not enter. And it says, commit, just keep walking. Commit. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. And He'll do this. Verse 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom. And his tongue speaks what is just because the law of his God is in his heart and so his feet do not slip. That's commitment because it's based on his word, his law. So form long-term convictions. Form long-term convictions and don't waver. I once read about Billy Graham. You probably heard the story. Billy Graham came to this point where he had to make a decision. Is this the word of God or not? Is it or not? And he had, to, he had to make a decision. If it is, I'm going to trust it implicitly. Even if doubt's there, I'm still going to trust it. If it's not, I'm done. I'm done. And you could ask the same thing. Is this the Word of God or not? If it's not, why are you even here? Who cares? But if it is, trust it implicitly. He said when he made that decision... All of a sudden, there was a new power in his preaching. And that's why when he'd preach, he'd say, the Word of God says. And some people would say, Billy, you're so simple in your sermon. He said, I believe the Word. I don't care what you think of me. The Word has power. I would say the same thing. Commitment is believing this is true. And then living as if it's true. Even if people mock it, make fun of it, make fun of you for actually seeming simple-minded, but... I'm just telling you personally, the moment I start, stop believing this, I waver and I worry. But when I take God at His word and I let Him speak, I rest. So here's the question for you. Are you overwhelmed by worry? Do you fret? And I guarantee you 99% of you do. 99 Here's some practical suggestions for just this week. And try it. If it works, keep doing it. So I have for one week, one week, practical suggestion. Try this out. Number one, when you run an errand, leave the house, go to church, leave your phone at home. Try it. Try it. Do you know we used to have this thing called landlines? Do you remember those days? I remember we had a landline and... And my sister would always be on the phone, so my dad bought a super long extension cord so she'd go in the living room. And I'd be like, Dad, she's been on for an hour. Get her off. I want to call my friends. Remember those days? And when we'd go in the car, the landline wouldn't go with you. I remember watching, I think it was, I think it was, was it Kit Car Magnum PI? They'd have the first cellular phones, and it was like a gigantic, you know, like, this, like that's so cool. They can talk outside the house. Did you know something? When people had landlines, they didn't die. They didn't die. Yeah, but I can't see all the pictures. I, I, I got to know if I have the right ingredient. Write your ingredients before you go to the store. Bring a slip of paper. My mom used to do that. Oh, but you don't know. I, I need to, I, what if my girlfriend wants me to like her picture and I don't, she'll think I'm mad at her. Who cares? Who cares? Don't fret. Don't fret. Don't fret. 
Second one, here's a tough one. Don't do dishes or laundry after 8 o'clock at night. Or clean the house. Stop. Stop it. But, but if I don't do it, it's going to be there tomorrow. I don't care. Just rest a second. Find some peace. Do you know what Sabbath, the purpose of Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, was to give one day where God will work for you. You don't have to. And Sabbath was designed uniquely. It would be Friday night to Saturday afternoon or Saturday twilight. Friday at twilight. And so half of the Sabbath you were sleeping and it was intentional to say, while you sleep, I work. Trust me. Third one is this. And this is why I have a small Bible. Get a small Bible. Go walking with Psalm 37. Just go walking. When you're really stressed out, take, shut everything off, go outside, maybe 10 minutes. Just take a little Bible like this and go walking and just read it. But I'm not a, you're not there to exercise. Who cares about what weight you lose? Or, quit trying to always lose weight. Just enjoy the afternoon. And read the psalm and enjoy God. Delight in Him. Go to a nice meadow. Go to the backyard and walk. Boy, you're weird. And it's great. It's really cool. I think what's really cool is I think that's where Jesus and the disciples, I'll bet you they had their best discussions as they'd walk from road to road. You need to kind of just get it out and stop doing it intentionally so you'll look good on your Instagram photos. Just do it for delight. Stop competing. And then the fourth one, is just once a day, turn off social, and this is just for this week, you're really good, turn off social media, get some ice cream. Go get some ice cream. Who cares if it adds an extra pound? Just get some ice cream. Enjoy it. Smile once. He made chocolate to be tasty for you with some peanuts on it. You know that salt and, cho- and caramel, hot caramel, and you taste it, and it goes down to your taste buds, which he made. He made those taste buds. And ha- you know what you need next to it is a cup of coffee that's warm and drink that down. And have you ever just had coffee where you drink it down and you breathe in while you drink? Oh, it's just good. He made that. Delight in that. He made that good. It's almost like if we enjoy food, we're sinning. Don't, why? Enjoy life again. He gave it to you. Enjoy this day. That's why it says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. My mom, I was thinking of my mom. My mom, if you think you have it bad. All right, let me just tell you something. And I don't normally do this. But I was just thinking about my mom today. I, I sent her some flowers. She got them. And, okay, my mom had six kids. My dad would leave Sunday night and be gone all week long. He did it for 10 years. So my mom had to raise six kids pretty much by herself for 10 years. My mom had a daughter that was mentally retarded that she had to change her diapers three times a day to feed her three meals a day and who often would scream and had to get her on a bus. My mom had some crazy children. Like my brother Don, if you knew about my brother Don, I've told you some stories about my brother Don, to get to school, he'd jump on the train. Like, Don, what are you doing? My mom had a weird son. Don, I was perfect. I was perfect. 
you know. My mom would get a book about 7 o'clock and sit at the kitchen table and she would get like a grapefruit or some pomegranate there and some pretzels. And she would just sit and read. A lot of times it would be scripture. She'd have a little diary there. But we could come in and sit at the table and just talk to her. But if you read her diary, often it will just be trust in the Lord. And she would shut down about seven. Like she wouldn't be worried. She'd trust God. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, there were my sisters and brothers got in a lot of crazy things. They did. They did. They did. But they're doing pretty good right now. They're all doing okay. Like my brother, he's a missionary, extreme missions. My sister Gina works for um, basically girls in California that have been sex trafficked. My sister Tammy is uh, faithful to church. My sister Steph helped start a church. And her youngest son works at a crazy hillbilly church out in the orchards. And my sister Lara, she's still alive. The average age of my sister's disease is 17 years old. It's called Rett Syndrome. My sister right now is 61 years old. She's in a hospital last month. My mom called me two weeks ago, says Lara's eaten like never before. She's doing just fine. Trust in the Lord. He'll protect you. 